This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. It's like a loot machine. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. But you must use your heart.
Or it's uh, your favorite two guys from the Black Collar Sports Network, BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew. And it's good to be with you on a Friday afternoon. Some people call it Black Friday. Some people just call it the day after Thanksgiving. Other people call it the uh, first of a good holiday weekend. Uh, so whatever day you call it, it's uh, good to be on with you. Uh, there is football, some HBCU football going on. And Drew just couldn't help himself. He's like, B, we got to do a show. We got to do a show. I'm like, Drew, I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. I'm ready to go shopping. Now nah, we got to do a show. Uh, so here we are. Man, 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 I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to save you some money, man. That's all, you know, because you don't you know you anything it, that you buy today, you will regret at the end of December. Amen. You sure enough right and, about and, that. So I... and, and, and thing number two, isn't it good? That something called black is associated with something good. You know, Black Friday is associated with a good, you know, a good thing. You know, you got, you got, uh, what was it, Black Monday when the stock market crashed and you got black this and black that. Well, damn it, something, the word black is associated with something good on, on this uh, occasion. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, I don't know if that's where the history or the phrase terminology came from out of anything good. So, I mean, I, I, I know it's not, but it's just, uh, <laughs> it, it's, just it, it's just one of those things, you know, that, damn it, we got something that starts off with the word black that's associated with something good for a child. All right. Very good. I mean, don't even tell though anybody, it's been like that forever. Yeah. Don't tell anybody the history of the phrase and then you'll feel, continue to feel good about it. So that's, uh, <laughs> there, there you go. Hey, uh, so look, today's show, we've got to talk about some upcoming games. Uh, Benedict College hosting their first playoff game, the 11-0 unbeaten um, number one team in the uh, region, I guess the southern region of the um, Division II playoffs, hosting a game this upcoming Saturday against Wingate University, the team that defeated Virginia Union last week. And then we'll also talk about the Bayou Classic, the 49th edition of the Bayou Classic in its form at New Orleans, but I believe it's something like the 74th or 75th meeting between Southern and Grambling, so we'll talk about that as well, And uh, but let's let's get into it and, and talk about uh, a game that took place last night, or yesterday afternoon rather, on Turkey Day. It was the annual, the 98th Turkey Day Classic. Just um, I just can't even imagine a, a, a particular game that has been played 98 times. I mean, older than, you know, our parents and, com, you know, combined and, and even going into our grandparents' era. So, I mean, there's just the history of this game being played, hosted by Alabama State. Traditionally, Alabama State and Tuskegee. Uh, but this year it's UAPB. 70, I believe almost 80 times that Tuskegee and Alabama State have played in this particular matchup. Right. Well, this year it's a UAPB that's actually, and it's an actual SWAT contest. So the final SWAT regular season game for both schools. And I don't think it went to script for Alabama State. Did not go to script for Alabama State as... You know, them coming up now, they had a bye week, and this was a bye week coming off the heels of 
the Florida A&M game that was there in Montgomery, a game that they had opportunities to win. I don't know if they – they definitely weren't favored coming into the ball game, and they were catching a FAMU team that had just played Southern, uh, had uh, Bethune-Cookman a week ahead, and they didn't play their best. I mean, Florida A&M probably did as much as any one team could do to help another team win a ball game, but uh, Alabama State wasn't able to take advantage of it, and so they had a chance to work on all of that, correct all of that, hopefully – and played his contest against UAPB and drew uh, the, the game script from, from the beginning, from the first quarter, first half. It did not go Alabama State's way. No, it did not. That's uh, turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. Uh, I believe it started off with Santo Dunn back uh, to receive a punt. He buffed a punt. UAPB was able to uh, pick up that buff punt and then score on that ensuing drive. Then I believe there was an interception later on in the first half that led to a UAPB touchdown. Oh, got a little tug tied right there for, for a moment, my brother. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it just was, despite the fact that Alabama State dominated the game offensively. But there was one that I recall may have been even two, and I'm trying to think of this off the top of my head, fourth downs where Alabama State was too close to punt, too far for a field goal, and those drives ended up with the turnover on downs. Yeah, Alabama State had uh, two two particular drives that went turnover, turnover on downs uh, in the second quarter. Uh, a 10-play, 45-yard drive was a turnover at the UAPB 30. So, you know, at the UAPB 30, if you're talking a field goal kicker, that's probably a, what, a 47-yard field goal? Close, it's close 10. to 50. If you're, 30, if you're that's going, 48. That's 47-48, yes, correct. Yeah, and, and then the other one was in the third quarter um, – you know, where really they didn't really move the ball. Uh, it, I think this was uh, following, you know, a, a pair of touchdowns to actually in which, you know, Alabama State had gotten down in this ball game, uh, 13 to nothing. They actually scored a pair of touchdowns in the third quarter. And then in the uh, third quarter, they were really just trying to, I think, keep the momentum going, ended up turning it over on downs on their own uh 38-yard line, and then on the, uh, you know, fortunately it didn't cost them, but um, four turnovers in the course of the ball game for Alabama State led to two touchdowns. The first one happened in the first quarter where they fumbled on the first play of the drive uh, on their own 16-yard line, and um, let me see here. I, I had it. I had that all set up here on the drive chart. Here, um, that fumble led to a touchdown by UAPB on the ver on three plays later. Um, there was also a uh, interception. Uh, nope. Hold on. Let me go back here. Um, there was an Alabama State fumble in the third quarter. Uh, on their own 39-yard line, which only turned into a field goal attempt by UAPB. Uh, 
no, I got that backwards. I'm sorry. Uh, that was in the fourth quarter where Alabama State fumbled. And then that led to the game-winning touchdown or what would turn into the game-winning touchdown, nine plays, 72 yards. So two turnovers led to 14 points, including a game winner. And it just comes to bite you. And, and despite good numbers for Alabama State in the ball game, I mean, they, uh, they, they won on total first downs. They outrushed UAPB 212 to 181. Uh, they outpassed them 285 to 152. They outgained them nearly 500 yards of total offense, 497 to 333. Um, I, I mean, you do everything you're supposed to do to win a ball game, but you don't. And uh, yeah. that that's a that's that a kicker in. I was going to say, down the stretch, Alabama State did not play like they had a one-point lead, Brian. They played like they were up by two scores or more. And usually with a one-point lead, you still want to remain aggressive. You want to put up another touchdown, at minimum another field goal, which they missed. But uh, both teams missed field goals uh, in the second half with opportunities to shift the course of the game. But trying to do and i believe it was like a shovel pass or something like that which caused another turnover in the fourth quarter which uap was able to come back on and score which basically was the ball game mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um defensively some of the some of the interesting stats that i come across here is i just go through the box score both teams had a defensive player record 17 tackles i mean literally both Teams did uh, for ah. That, first of all, that's a good that's a good day for any player defensively in the game. But both both players, that's a two to three game set, seventeen tackles. But to have two yeah. people on two different teams record that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, somebody's schemes wasn't working offensively. Well, uh, Alabama State, it was Colton Adams who had seventeen total tackles. Ten of them were solo. Four tackles for loss. He forced a fumble. Had four quarterback hurries. For UAPB, it was Rico Dozier, 17 total tackles, 12 of them were solo, three tackles for loss, two sacks. And then UAPB also had a defender that had 15 tackles. That was um, uh, Yule uh, Jr., um, Grand Yule Jr., had um, 15 total tackles. Hold on, let me make sure I get full name in there right because I know sometimes when you look at the stats you only get uh you, you only get the the half names here uh so I want to see if I can make sure to pick up his full name and I'll, I'll do that here in a second when I turn it over to you um but he had two tackles for loss and two pass breakups for UAPB in terms of offensively uh Kayvon Britton 28 carries for UAPB, 160 yards, three scores. Again, UAPB only had about 330-something yards of total offense. 160 came on the ground by Britton. Uh, Skyler Perry came back. He was 14 to 29, 113 yards uh, through the one interception. Um, and that, you know, is probably, but he ended his, I would say he probably ended his playing career with a win uh, for Alabama State. Uh, Ja'Cory Merritt, 17 carries, 91 net yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Demetrius Davis, D. Davis, 18 of 30, 272 yards, one interception. He was sacked four times. 
on the day. Um, how do you evaluate the end of the season for Alabama State, Drew? Because uh, maybe heading into the Florida A&M game, it's a disappointing two losses for Alabama State. But but how do you evaluate their season under first-year head coach Eddie Robinson, Jr.? I think for Alabama State people, you have to be pleased with the turnaround that Coach uh, Eddie Robinson was able to bring to Alabama State. Yes, the last two games were disappointing for ASU, but giving the uh, giving the expectations back in June, July, August, you know, people were afraid because he had zero coaching experience. Not high school, not college. You know, he had zero coaching experience. What he was going to be able to do. I think he has shown that he can coach at this level. He loves his alma mater. There's never been a doubt about that. Now, what they have to do, Alabama State has to figure out how to finish games going into next season. Is that players who can, you know, closes? They 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 had a good trio of running backs. You, you, I know you, uh, Santo Dunn is through. I'm not sure about the other two running backs, if they will have another year of eligibility uh, remaining. But they Alabama State will run the ball, play defense. That's their formula. If that's going to be their formula, now they need to go into the offseason and pick up some pieces that will allow them to do that at a greater level. D. Davis, I believe he was uh, injured at certain points in time during the season. So D. Davis is able to stay healthy. What would that mean for Alabama, Alabama State, or they using all of D. Davis's talent, and I'm not saying that he uh, his talents aren't that great, but maybe they didn't have the weapons to match his talent because Alabama State did not pass the ball a lot. And D. Davis was one of the best dual threat quarterbacks coming into college, but we only saw one of those threats, and that was the threat on his feet a lot. We didn't see a lot of uh, run. And Keyshawn Johnson, oh my God, you know. Uh, more, more targets for Keyshawn Johnson, but if he's the only receiver that you have, it's kind of easy to double and triple him. So they're going to have to get some help for Keyshawn Johnson. And interesting fact, uh, Brian, the last two SWAC opponents to play Alabama State on Turkey Day have won. Prairie won 20-17 in 2019. That was pre-pandemic. And of course, yesterday, UAPB won. And take it back to 2018, Mississippi Valley almost pulled off the upset over Alabama State as that game went into overtime. So getting these SWAT teams in here, I guess these SWAT teams are pissed off because they got to stay on campus this week and play this doggone game. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's, that's the formula for those SWAT teams because when they do not play Tuskegee, and they don't have a good record against Tuskegee in this classic. But when they play SWAC opponents, it has not been good. Um, as it relates for UAPB, they closed their season um, with a win. Um, obviously, this is a team that only really has, as I look at their roster, they have 11 seniors and grad students, 11. So the cupboard is full. Now, with respect, here when I say the cupboard is full, uh, 
the cupboard is is relatively full for UAPB. Whoever is going to come in and get that job, obviously Don Treadwell, the interim head coach, they'll have a full search or do go through the process of of trying to find out who will be the new head coach. Maybe it's Don Treadwell, maybe it's somebody else. But not only are you losing a, a future NFL offensive lineman by many people's estimations, that's Mark Evans the second. But you're also going to lose Skylar Perry, who has exhausted five years in the program. He's been playing ever since he was a freshman. His total numbers drew over 44 games played. That's including the uh, COVID year of 2020 or the COVID spring of 2020, where he led UAPB to the SWAC championship game. Uh, He's thrown for 6,926 yards. 629 completions, 41 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, a career 55% passer completion percentage, an average of 157.4 per game uh, for Skylar Perry. If you include some running stats, he, in his career, just finished under 1,000 yards rushing in his career at 984 with eight touchdowns. Um, And so... Skylar Perry will be missed. That will be the big shoe to replace at UAP, UAPB. And uh, it's, it's very rare this day, Drew, that you have a four-year guy you, or a five-year guy, a guy who's been synonymous with your program since he was a freshman. He's been through two head coaches, not an interim head coach, so three head coaches. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it'll be real interesting to see how UAPB rolls forward. Uh, any thoughts on UAPB there before we get ready to take a quick break? No, uh, it's, it's, it's UAPB two years removed from the SWAT championship game. And the question is, was that a one-off or is that something that they can actually go back and rebuild at UAPB? One other uh, thing, Brian, I'm looking at the uh, history of the Turkey Day Classic. Mm-hmm. Three of the four times that Alabama State has played a SWAC opponent in the Turkey Day Classic, they have lost in the in the history of the Turkey Day Classic. Mm. All right, uh, and no, I would- and no team, no no team, not named Tuskegee or a SWAC opponent has ever beaten Alabama State in the Turkey Day Classic. Never, never. never. No, no one, no one ever. Prairie View, Prairie View has one victory. Uh, UAPB has a victory. Mississippi Valley has a victory back in the seventies. Every other loss in the Turkey Day Classic has occurred to Tuskegee. Hmm. Fourteen thousand people is the listed attendance. So, congrats to uh, all those folks who showed up. Uh, any in terms of the future scheduling of this game, real quick, Drew. I mean, does it look like? Tuskegee I think Tuskegee, come back. Tuskegee comes back in, in 23. I believe it's a three-year deal. Don't quote me on the number of years, but I know they will be back in 23 and at least 24, I do believe. Okay. And which actually makes me kind of wonder about it because with the tradition of Tuskegee is uh, they've gotten back to the point where they could have been in the playoffs this year. 
that was that that's always been that debate with that particular game. Does Tuskegee take the money and play on Turkey Day? Or do they go to the playoffs? That's yeah. a, that's a decision that Coach Ruffin and Dr. Morris will ultimately have to decide long term for Tuskegee. But for the next couple of years, they're gonna take the money. Take the money, baby. Take the money. Ain't nothing wrong with take that. Take the money. Hey, take the money and run. <laughs> yeah, take the money and run, as as the uh, song says. All right, we'll come back in just a moment. Talk about Benedict's upcoming uh, game in Columbia, South Carolina against Wingate. We'll be back in just a second. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pre-Game Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent. So you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. It's like a loop machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our people in the uh, YouTube chats. Mary305, Edwin Moore, Tamara T, David Garner, Imperial Nubia, Spence Matthews, uh, Israel, Kerry. Let's see who else is in there. Uh, DLOB, 
uh, dropping in as well. Maybe some other folks there on Facebook. Uh, thank you guys for dropping in some great comments. Um, yeah, so um, I don't, Tuskegee seems to be the popular uh, uh, choice for some of you guys there in the chat room. So uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see that that one comes back. I, I don't know if, um, who's comment? I saw someone, uh, DLOB said, I know UAPB had a bad season, but they almost beat Alcorn, Texas Southern and Alabama a and couple of plays in those games. You could add FAMU to that as well. And they could have won three or four slack games. Exactly. Um, you know, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you end up, uh, you end up losing. Shout out Christopher Dukes as well. See you in there. Thank you for joining in. Hey, um, so there's this playoff playoff game happening over in uh, um, Columbia, South Carolina, involving Benedict College. We had a bye week, undefeated, eleven and zero. The new season starts. You you can pretty much we can get rid of that eleven and zero. We, you know, we, we're not going to talk about it anymore because other than them being, a, you know, the, the region uh, number one seed and mentioning it there. But now it's the second season and this is it's all uncharted territory for Benedict. And now you take on a Wingate team that won the at large bid from out of their conference, uh, the SAC. And of course, you know, very well known to SAC. Uh, the, the conference had some choice words uh, regarding <laughs> we dis- which we discussed last week. Yeah, regarding how their teams that went in. Uh, so th- here here we are now. Here we are. It's game time. Wingate knocked off Virginia Union, who they basically took advantage of. You know, two pick sixes. Uh, you know, so it just they just took advantage of mistakes by Union, jumped out to a big twenty-two nothing lead, and you know by then it was over. But Wingate, we're looking at one of the two of the best. I don't know, Drew. Is there any potential anywhere down the line in the playoffs that we will see a a matchup of two top five defenses in Division Two? Outside of this one, I did not research. One. I, was, I did not research it that far to see if uh, okay. we would see two two defenses like that, and or on the flip side, two top five offenses either. I, I did not do the research. I was focused on this particular game when I was doing my research. Yeah, well, you know, the one interesting fact is defense travels, and so it'll be interesting in this upcoming matchup how defense travels. Um, Wingate will have to travel to South to Columbia, South Carolina for this one. Uh, Drew, of course, wrote a great article piece. D2football.com is where you can find it. Um, so a lot of the stuff we talk about here in this segment um, is coming right out of that. So, so Drew, let's let's go to let's let's just start, and, and we don't we don't want to give too much away for people can go read the article, but let's go to what is the first thing that pops out, or the first thing that has to be handled by Benedict when you look at this matchup against Wingate? Um, Benedict's got to establish their running game. They have got to establish their running game. Benedict is running for almost 172 yards per game, whereas Wingate has the number one defense against the run, giving up only 70 yards 
per game. So that is the first thing that Benedict will have to do is uh, establish the running game. Check that. Bennett Wingate is sixth in yards allowed, uh, rushing yards allowed. So just outside the top five. So that that's going to be it. And they've got Benedict has three backs who can tote the rock in addition to quarterback. Eric Phoenix, who's a dual threat. So that's going to be essential in, in doing that and controlling the clock. It's not that bit that Wingate's offense is a high-powered offense where you need to control the clock, but you want your defense to get as much rest as possible <coughs> so that that defense will be in a better position to dominate as a top-five defense also. Um. I do agree. I think that's an interesting event. You know, Wingate will come into the game with a pair of backs who, who have ran about uh, about five fifty a game, if I'm not mistaken. I know they have one back that runs about five fifty. Maybe the other one's not so much, but it's their 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 main running back, and they've got a a strong quarterback um, who comes into the game. But I I look at this, and I'm kind of interested to see. You know, I think everyone goes to the air. Eric Phoenix card this year and kind of say, what is Eric Phoenix going to provide? And I think we're, we're used to seeing Eric Phoenix be a runner in previous years, but actually if I'm not mistaken, the stats don't show that this year. I don't think he's running nearly as much. And I, and I guess I should say for, the production as he has in previous years, uh, last year, for example. But that speaks to what the offense is doing around him. And I think Phoenix, the advantage, I think, offensively that Benedict has is Benedict has big receivers. And yes. we have we have firsthand witness. Six fours, six fives. Yeah, and a couple of tight ends that are big too. So they're not they're not just small quick guys i mean they, they are big receivers and so when we talk they about they got d1 they got d1 receivers just say it brian they've got yeah, d1 size yeah, yeah yeah they got d1 size on the receiving so i you know that'll be an interesting match to see how wingate deals with that but up front it's going to be fascinating to watch because like you said ben, wingate is top five in several carry uh, categories defensively drew you you pointed those out. Uh, what are those those uh, those those stats that they rank top five in in Division Two? Uh, before I get to that, those two backs that you were talking about are uh, Caitlin Clark with five hundred sixty one yards and Alexander Wilson with uh, four hundred and ninety yards rushing on the yeah. season. And and the quarterback that you were referring to is Shaw Crocker, who is uh, one seventy three of three oh nine. With, uh, Who led the conference in touchdowns. passing touchdowns. Led the SAC in passing touchdowns with 22. 11 INTs, though. 11 INTs, 50, yeah. 55, 50, 56%, uh, yeah, 56% uh, completion percentage, uh, just over 2,000 yards, 21.64 to be exact. But those stats, Wingate, these are just the stats that they're number one in the nation in, Brian, that I'm supposed to give you. We can go through the rest of the top 10 stats in a moment. Yards allowed per game at 215. 
third down conversions allowed, 21.8%. Red zone defense, 55.6%. Tackles for loss, 10.5 per game. And points allowed, 10.58 points allowed per game. That's just where they rank number one at, Brian. Let me know when you're ready for me to give you the rest of the top 10 stats. Oh, fire away. Okay. Number two in in sacks per game at 4.33. Number six in the following categories. Defensive touchdown scored, four. And we saw two of those last week against Virginia Union. Rushing yards allowed, 69.1. Defensive passing efficiency, 94.5. And first downs allowed, 138 first downs allowed for the season. Seventh in passing yards allowed, 46.1 in passes intercepted with 16. Throw in the fact that they are fifth in net punting at 40.69 yards per punt. So that just gives you a little bit of what Wingate does defensively on a national level. They have allowed 14 or fewer points in eight of the 12 games that they have played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I go back. I want to go back to for a second and sort of correct myself a little bit with Phoenix. And I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm disparaging uh, Eric Phoenix and his rushing because statistically, uh, the numbers are better than previous year. And, and I guess. Maybe what what is throwing me off a bit, Drew, is that there are games where he has rushed, and I'm just going through the stats, right, where he's rushed for 0, 5, 5, 10, negative, negative 8, negative 6, negative 7, 15, but he's had the big games, you know, where he's rushed 7 for 83, 11 for 91 in the championship. I mean – on the biggest stage, biggest yeah. stage, I, let me finish with this. Biggest stage, Eric Phoenix has showed up at Albany State, showed up, 22 of 28, 78% passing, 253 on the, in the air, uh, 8 of 15 and a score on the ground in the SIC championship game against Tuskegee, 19 of 29 passing, 65%, 313 in the air, yards, two touchdowns, and then was 11 for 91 with a score. So big games, Eric Phoenix has showed up. And I, and I guess I, I guess what I was what I was saying and what I wanted to make sure I said is that um, it's an important for him to run and hit, but I don't think he's that, – that's, that's not what he has to do. For Benedict to have success, he doesn't have to run because they got enough in the backfield. But when it's time to and if he has to – we know he can, but I don't think it's a, it's not, it's not one of those things that he has to do, or I think Coach Barry is going to be asking or looking for him to do. Go ahead with your point, Drew. And, and, and that's what I was going to say. In the past, that has been an integral part of the offense with the design runs for for Phoenix. Now, a lot of the times when Phoenix, it's more of him taking advantage of what the defense is giving him. Great coverage downfield. I've got a gap here in the middle. I'm go- I'm gonna take off and and rush the ball versus uh, going on the read option uh, a lot of times and ha- and keeping the ball as the quarterback on the read option. 
that's the big difference this year. He's not putting himself in harm's way by consistently rushing the ball as he has in the past. He's relied more on his arm also. What's a what's another key stat or a key area that you're looking at for for Benedict? Uh, speak about them maybe on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Benedict uh, again, they they're a top five defense as well. What do you what do you project and see from Benedict on that side of the ball? All right, here we go. I'm just gonna list those uh, top defensive categories that Benedict ranks in. Benedict's ranks. All right. They are first in passing yards allowed in the nation. 126.3 passing yards allowed. Second in fourth down conversions allowed, only allowing 13.6 fourth downs. Fourth in third down conversions allowed, 0.248. So what that is telling you, if if it's you're going against Benedict, you better go big play and get it on first and second down because third and fourth downs are their buddy downs. They are fifth in both yards allowed per game, 236.9, and points allowed per game at 12 points per game. Other defensive categories, sixth in defensive touchdowns scored with four. First downs allowed, 138. Eighth in fumbles recovered, 13. And tenth in tenth in tackles for loss at 8.4. And they sit number just outside the top 10 at 12 in sacks at 3.36 per game and 13th in score. And the offense, though, here's the big difference. The offense is 13th in the nation, scoring 37.2 points per game. This may be the difference, Brian. Oh, and on special teams, 10th in block punts. They blocked three punts this season. The Benedict Tiger offense has scored 35 or more points in seven of 11 games. Wingate's offense has scored 35 or more points only once. Mm-hmm. Defensively, Benedict has given up 14 or fewer points in seven of 11 games, including two shutouts. And I, and I said this earlier, Wingate has given up 14 or fewer points in eight of 12, including one shutout. So essentially, defensively, these two teams are, are the same as far as output allowed. It's offensively where Benedict has a distinct advantage over Whitgate. And I think those receivers that you're talking about may be the difference to go along with that running game. Um what 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 kind of what kind of outcome I feel like there's a a number here where first team to reach because I, I, I definitely think Benedict's offense versus Wingate's defense you know, now let, let's be real here. Bennett, Wingate just got a win against Virginia Union, who had an offense that was averaging over 40 a game or somewhere Correct. close to 39. So they've already faced a high-powered offense. So they're coming into this game at another road game against another good offense, and they got to be feeling good to them for themselves, feeling good about themselves. Uh, going into this matchup. And I, I I think the biggest key is Benedict cannot turn the ball over. You know, that's what that was the right. kiss of death for Virginia Union. Don't right. especially don't deep give, in your uh, in your own territory. Exactly. Don't give the other team points because I think Wingate's offense has will have a tougher time against Benedict's defense. So 
Who's going to wear whom out is the question. That's where Benedict has the advantage as long as they don't turn the ball over. What's the number, Drew? First team to what wins this game? Void of turnovers. If everything plays even, void of turnovers. Do you feel like there's a number that somebody's offense has to get to in order for them to secure a win? Uh, I, I'm thinking 20 to 24 points. Somewhat, it's going to be somewhere in that range where somebody's okay. going to need to to get to. And, 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 and here's the thing. Benedict has got to stay out of and long situations. Sure. What do I mean by that? Sec, second and long, third and long situations. That's what Benedict, excuse me, that's what happened to Virginia Union. They were forced into a lot of and, uh, and long situations, and that allowed their Wingate defense to tee off, uh, bring the extra pass rusher. They were able to get good coverage in the uh, secondary, and that's what led to those two, those pick sixes. And, and Union, despite having the nation's number one rusher, was not able to establish their running game as they were able to key on Jada Byers. Well, go Byers still got 119 yards rushing, though. I mean, individually, but that, that Byers... Was, but if you go back and look at it, that was all second half, Brian. That was a lot of that was second okay. half because I believe he, he was under 30 yards going into halftime. Okay. So uh, that that's the key. But it's it's much easier for any team to key off on a particular running, running back versus a plethora of running backs – such as uh, as Benedict has, as you know, they have no. They have uh, Noah Zaire Scotland, who has five hundred seventy-two yards on the season. DeAndre Duhart with five hundred seventeen yards on the season. You got Eric Phoenix, the quarterback. He's two hundred nineteen yards, and you even got Devon Smith who has thrown in 174 yards on the season. Two of those people in the game at the same time, that may bring problems for a bit of, excuse me, they may not know who to key on. And that may be what the difference is between what you saw last week with Union and what you may see, which I hope that you see this Saturday. All right. Um real quick before I ask you predictions as I'm just glancing through on Massey ratings, just to kind of look and see who they have their numbers for interesting weekend in the division two playoffs. Uh, as you have two matchups in other regions involving top five teams, according to Massey, you've got grand Valley state uh, who is actually ranked number one in the D two football poll going up against Northwest Missouri, who they're actually, that's a two versus three. Um, you know, D2 actually has Northwest Missouri rated 10. So, you know, however you want to look at it as a top five matchup or a top 10 matchup. But then you also have Pittsburgh State versus Ferris State. Uh, now that's a one versus four, according to Massey. Uh, D2 football kind of has that as a four versus five kind of matchup and um then you've got the west florida delta state on the other side of the region 
from Benedict. So whoever comes out of this contest, Benedict comes out of this contest, they're facing either West Florida or Delta State. Fortunately, it'll Which be at another home. Top five Benedict, another it top five matchup. Another top five matchup. Should be. It should be at home. We'll, yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll talk That's about it. that should Benedict win. Um, but uh, this matchup, Massey actually rates in favor of Wingate by four points, 21 to 17. So a three and a half line, total points of 39 and a half. Um, Drew, how do you, uh, how do you see this going? What's your, what's your prediction and final score? I think the, I think the over under is about right. I think it is going to be around 39, 40 points. I think I would slightly go with the over. Slightly go with mm-hmm. the over. But, but one thing I have seen about with this Benedict team, they can win a slugfest, as we saw them win with Kentucky State and Albany State, and they can win a shootout, like we saw with Tuskegee and Fort Valley State. So uh, they they can win in any type of way, and I think that's going to be to their advantage. So once they, everybody has a plan, Brian, until they get hit in the box. That's that old Mike Tyson, right? Everybody has a plan. Until What's they get your hit score? Uh, Come on now. Come on. You wrote the article. Twenty three sixteen, Benedict. 23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23-16-Benedict-23
Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Final segment here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian. That's AD here. Um, just decided to drop in on a Friday afternoon, a Black Friday. Drop a live show as we're previewing the uh, Benedict College playoff game. But also tomorrow, we've got the Bayou Classic, and it means something. Don't they always mean something uh, is what they say. It always means something to somebody somewhere. But this one has ramifications across the entire SWAC. Um, before we get to that, Drew, uh, big news for a SWAC player in the Turkey Day NFL games yesterday. Yeah, James Houston on the day yesterday, he had two, got his first two career sacks in his first game. Uh, I do believe he is the first Detroit Lion to ever get a sack in his first game with the uh, with the Lions. I think I read that somewhere. Had two tackles for loss. And Brian, he even recovered a fumble on uh on special teams. So uh great way to start off your NFL career, uh six round draft choice. And yes, y'all, he is swat. He graduated from Jackson State University. Despite sometimes them referring to his days at UF, that's the University of Florida. But yes, he uh, he he finished his career at Jackson State. I don't know if he actually graduated or not, but we're going to say he finished his career at Jackson State University. Two things I read on Twitter. I know Stephen Gaither had said that he uh, was just called up to the from the practice squad uh, from uh, I think from Wednesday. Yeah, I think that was a tweet I read from uh, Stephen Gaither. And then I guess there was some – well, you mentioned the UF thing, but was there some things mentioned about him being from Florida versus Jackson State? Is that what was going on during the broadcast? I, I heard something I heard something about that. Somebody mentioned that uh, he was uh, uh, from the University of Florida at some point in time. I did not catch it on the broadcast, but I was not fully engaged in the broadcast as I was doing some cooking and some other things uh, going on. And let's keep something else in mind. This was the first draft pick of the Coach Prime era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of sweating uh, watching Buffalo lay an egg. And, uh, you know, for those for those who, who were uh, – who needed some double-digit points by Buffalo, man. I swear to didn't get God. It. <laughs> didn't get it. Didn't get it. But uh, thankfully, I made up for it in the afternoon and evening. So, all right. So, here we go. Bayou Classic. Grambling Southern. 
what's on the line this year. The amazing just another Swag West title. Just another Swag West title on the line as Southern can win the Swag West with a win. Should they lose and Grambling win, that means Prairie View A&M will have backdoored their way into a Swag West title and they will go to the Swag Championship game to take on Jackson State. So uh, this is Ryan. the yeah. Uh, David Garner said Tony Romo was the one who referenced the uh, UF. Oh, okay. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. That, was, that was probably a dig at his uh, his guy. Uh, the, oh, so the, yeah, that that was intentional. That was intentional. I have no doubt that was intentional. There's not a lot of love there between uh, Romo and uh, Coach Prime. So don't don't think for a second that was not intentional. So Grambling State and Southern meeting for the 74th time overall, the 49th time in the quote-unquote Bayou Classic, as it's been coined. It's an even 24-24 and 24 record over the course of the uh, last – uh, 48 times these teams have played in this quote-unquote Bayou Classic. Um, what's interesting, last year, if you remember, uh, Grambling won that contest with an interim coach. Uh, they had just yeah, interim released, coaches on both sides. Yeah, but they had just released Broderick Fobbs going into the bye week. Instead of letting, and there was already talk that he was going to be out the door. So instead of letting him finish the season, they let him go early. Uh, they ended up winning the contest on the heels of some good field goal kicking by their kicker, Garrett Urban, who I think is still there on the roster. The year before, it came down to a Southern, that, that was a chance where Grambling was the team that was coming in hot. And I believe Southern blocked a pair of field goals if I, my memory is trying to and this would no now hold on let me that backtrack been this is not the covid this is yeah this is not the covid right. by that's i don't know what that was i don't know yeah. what that, that was that, that was that the was, one that's the one everybody got cleared the day before the game yeah are people even counting calls. that game are do people even it's, count that into the 48 year 49 year history because that played. that it was played. That counts. game, yeah, that game was ugly. But it anyway, I'm thinking about the 19. Yeah, that that one deserves an asterisk. I'm I'm talking about the 2019 game, the game in New Orleans, uh, which is now I believe it's called the Stadium is the Caesars Superdome now. Uh, but back then, I think it was the Mercedes Dome, Mercedes Benz Dome, whatever. Some Mercedes Benz Dome. Yeah. So so question is. Will field goal kicking come into play in this contest? Because uh, the last two played in New Orleans have come to uh, been decided that way. Uh, it's a 1 p.m. Central time kickoff, so that's 2 p.m. Eastern. It will be on NBC Sports and Peacock uh, streaming service. So I believe on linear TV, that's NBC Sports that will be broadcasting. And so on your on your linear and then if you're streaming it, you can stream it on Peacock. Um, you know, so that, that'll be there as well. Uh, Southern's looking to capture the Bayou for the fourth time in five years. Uh, Grambling is seeking back-to-back -back Bayou wins for the first time since they won three straight in 2015, 16, and 17. 
Um, of course, we know the ramifications. Southern win. They win the West. Um, Grambling has a chance to uh, finish right about on par with many people's projections of them. Uh, they were chosen fourth in the SWAC, and I think with the win, they could. But, uh, Drew, what's your what's your thought on – oh, and I, I don't want to bury the lead here, Drew, because what's also, I think, interesting about this Bayou, for, for Dooley, for Eric Dooley, head coach of Southern, here's a man who played – for Grambling uh, in this game, then coached for, I think, 14-something years at Southern with Pete Richardson. Then he was the OC, I believe, with Grambling for four years with the Fobs era. Now he's the head coach at Southern. So if there's anybody who's who's more Bayou, more swag about this than anybody, it's Eric Dooley. <laughs> What's your take on this game, Drew? Well, you mentioned field goals earlier. Let's just go ahead and get the two kickers out the way. Joshua Griffin is the primary kicker for Southern, and he is 5 of 8 on the season. As a team, they are 7 of 12 on the season, with Luke Jackson being 2 of 4. And for Griffin, he is... Uh, two or three from inside, from less than 30, uh, one of one from 30 to 40, and two of four from 40 to 49 with a long of 42 for the season. So we just know that field goal kicking has played a big role in this particular game. And Gavin Urban, who you mentioned earlier, is five of 10 on the season. He's one of one from inside the 20. He's three of six from... 30 to 40, he's one of three from 40 to 49 with a long of 41 on the season. So just just go ahead and put that out there in case it does come down to a field goal. Looks like he's got advantage Southern this year if it comes down to a field goal. But we know when it comes down to the money ball, we know Urban did it uh, last year. Now, uh, it's, it's interesting for Dooley. He has been on side of this, and I would really love to see what his personal record is in the Bayou. I, uh, had, as a had player? I, had, but overall, as a player and, oh, and okay, a, coach. As a coach. Gotcha. You know, because he's, since he's been on both sides of this, is he more, more times on the winning side? Is he more times on the loser side, or is he about half and half since the series is 24-24 overall? I'm just something curious to take a look take a look at, but we'd have to go back and look at each of the gears that he was at those, at those different institutions. So if there's anybody who understands what it takes to be in that value, it is doing. Now, let's look at the coach on the other side. Look at Coach Hugh Jackson, who – Although this may be his first Bayou Classic, this is not his first big game as he comes in with this NFL experience. So, you know, which one is going to be the be the deciding factor? The experience in the Bayou or the just big game experience that Hugh Jackson has? Um Individually for Southern, obviously, I think everything starts with Bashawn McCray. 
Uh, leads the team in net rushing yards at 549 net rushing yards. Um, I mean, Southern actually has three backs over 400 yards. Um, so, and, and then McCray, in terms of passing, has thrown this season for 1,544 yards, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, so there, there's – you know, that's who the focus will be from the Southern side. For Grambling, though, Grambling has, has played four quarterbacks this season. Uh, Julian Calvez, the freshman, uh, I believe from, from uh, well, he's a true freshman, yeah. He's definitely from my neck of the woods in Orlando. Uh, he has been the starter of late, and many people think he'll be the projected starter, but you don't know. Um, you know, we'll have to wait till game time to see what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, last week's loss was a disappointing loss for Grambling because uh, they were – they had just beaten Alcorn State. They had just beaten Arkansas Pine Bluff. They had played two close – they had two very close losses the two weeks before against A&M and uh, – both A&Ms, Florida and Alabama. And then they just laid a 41-7 egg against Texas Southern. So – I got to believe, you know, you, you kind of take that game with a grain of salt, Drew, and really say that, you know, Grambling's coming in, playing pretty good back, pretty good football over four of the last five games with the Texas Southern game excluded from that. And, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it, I definitely think it will come down to, you know, Massey has this game rated at about a, 28-21 game, uh, so a touchdown, seven and a half points. If you were if you were that kind of person, if you saw seven, seven and a half, I would tell you to take the points with Grambling because anything can happen. This could come down to a, a field goal game, as we've already talked about, as the last, well, with the exception of the game in Shreveport, the last two in New Orleans have come down to field goals. So I would I would definitely lean Grambling and the points uh, in this kind of situation. And and if uh, if Southern wins this game, they'll they'll be moving on to the following week for a rematch against Jackson State. Uh, what's what's your prediction? So my prediction, Drew, I'm going Southern with the win, Grambling with the cover. What do you? How do you see this one going? Look, it's it's going to come down for Grambling, a. Can they can they make Southern uncomfortable some way somehow? Because when Southern gets uncomfortable, we've seen some interesting play calls by Southern. Neither one of these teams have had any consistency on offense this year, Brian. Neither one of these teams. So that that's going to be whose offense is going to show up. Now we know Grandma's defense has not been statistically that good but the reason that the defense is not being good is because the offense has been inept a lot of games for Grambling it's going to come down to one person Maurice Washington if Maurice Washington can go for a bill in this game Grambling will have a good chance to win because that means they will be controlling the clock and keep that defense off of the field we know we know Dooley 
he likes he likes to throw the ball a lot. Even though his interest <coughs> Ryan, when you look at the at the statistics, we know Dooley is known for his passing game, right? Do you realize for the season, Southern has rushes the ball for two hundred and six yards per game, and they pass the ball for two hundred and six yards per game. I'd call that pretty balanced. I call I call that pretty balanced. It's like it's like decimal point difference between between the two. Two oh rushing is two oh six point eight and <coughs> passing is two two oh six point two. So you're talking you're talking a yard or two uh over the season. But I I found that matter of fact there's a six yard difference between rushing yards and passing yards for the season. But for some reason it seems like a big game Dooley likes to show off his offensive genius and Wants to pass ball and trick and run trick plays and different things like that. I think ultimately that may be what do, does Southern end. And we talk about the ultimate backdoor scenario where all four teams that we were looking at last week have lost. <laughs> and per and you don't do it. That way into the SWAC championship game. So we will officially have the mess in the West if Prairie backdoors they went into the championship game with a five and three record on, on the season. Then I called back in August, uh back in July actually. Then I wanted to uh, make sure I remind everybody about that. So but I've I've, I've got I've got I've got Grambling. I've got Grambling by less than by less than the score, but I've got Grambling about four points in this particular ball game. Mm, Grambling by less than four. All right. Um, it'll be interesting. Hey, I, I think that somebody's going into the offseason feeling really good. Because, um, I, I, like I said, I mean, the, the momentum that Grambling will have going into next year will really, will really look good uh, when you break down the second half of their season if they finish it with a win in the Bayou. Uh, so, hey Brian, it, yeah. Edward Moore says, he, and this is just he's just uh, speculating on this, but he Dooley was three and one as a player, and he thinks he was undefeated as both uh, Pete Richardson's assistant and Fobb's assistant in the Bayou Classic. I don't know if he could. I don't think he could technically be undefeated though in that era for. Because if I'm not mistaken, I just looked at a stat that said, let me see. Um, all right. Well, I, you know what? That, that was the one thing that I didn't do any research on. So I'm, I'm not even going to. I don't know what. We'll, we'll come back with that answer on Sunday. So. But hold on. But see, here's why I say you can't. He couldn't have gone undefeated in Southern because he was there as an assistant for like 14 years. Uh, I know they didn't win all 14 years that Pete Richardson was the head coach. I mean, hell, I just watched the replay of the 2005 uh, SWAC, or no, the Bayou that was in Houston the year they moved it because of uh, the uh, hurricane. The hurricane, and, uh, yes. Her yeah, and, and uh, Bruce Eugene and Grambling ended up winning that game like 50-35. to 35. <laughs> Yeah, 50-35. to 35. Uh, That was a Grambling team that only – you know, they won the SWAC championship. Their only loss was a uh, a regular season 
contest uh, against an FBS school, but they beat everybody else that they played. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up. It'll be a stat that I'm sure the uh, the great crew of NBC will call. And, uh, you know, of course, Lewis Johnson will be there uh, as well as some other folks. So uh, that'll be <clears throat> that'll be interesting to see. All right, Drew. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this uh, live edition that we wanted to bring you. Um, you know, again, want to encourage you to uh, check out the Carlos Brown show tomorrow. Uh, Carlos' show, uh, we'll have to get the exact time of the show. Now, his show normally is a noon Eastern uh, to a noon to two Eastern, 11 to one. I don't know. Maybe it still will be just, uh, you'll have to check uh, at, at the Carlos Brown show or make sure to check out Carlos Brown show on Facebook. We'll also uh, send out an update later today with uh, what time his show. Great perspective. I know I saw Carlos is on his way to New Orleans. Uh, so we'll get some great perspective on that contest. And then of course the Saturday afternoon broadcast of the Benedict Wingate game will be 1 PM on the BCSN and HBCU league pass plus, and then wake up Sunday morning with Dr. Cavill and uh, his team and the team, the uh, lab professors, uh, as they break down not only the Benedict game, but the Bayou Classic and some other things over the holiday break. As um, that show is in the morning, uh, I believe it is, uh, is it 11 Eastern, 10 Central? 10 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Okay, 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Okay, and then... We'll have to see about me and Drew on Sunday night. I know I'll be figuring out what time I get on the road Sunday from Atlanta, heading back to Orlando. So uh, if I'm able to get back in time, be looking out for a sports wrap Sunday night from us. Worst case, we may do it Monday. Just telling you that now. So, (laughs) okay. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Uh Twitter, and Instagram. Crossover season, Brian. Crossover season, I'll be at the Biles Clark Atlanta basketball game on Saturday. Also, that'll be getting at 2 o'clock Eastern uh, right here on the BCSN Family uh, Podcast and Networks. Okay, yeah. So make sure to download the app. And HBCU so League Pass Plus. Yeah, download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app, MyJBN, MyBCSN, on the Google Play and Apple App Store. That's where you can watch all of these contests. Uh, yes, as well as HBCU League Pass Plus. And then uh, for all the information, updates, and schedules, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. Go download the BCSN Pod Zone. If you are a podcast person or a podcaster like I am, you enjoy listening to our shows in audio format while you're on the go or in the car. You can do that. Just go uh, Spotify, Apple Music, um, or Apple Podcasts, rather, Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of those great places where you listen and download podcasts. That's where you can get BCSN Pod Zone. <clears throat> Thanks to everybody who tuned in uh, for this short sports rap edition on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're watching us at. We thank you for your time. Uh, make sure to eat some leftovers. It's a good leftover eating day. And uh, so eat some good leftovers. Go do a little bit of shopping. Watch some college football, basketball, whatever you're going to do. 
and uh, support the HBCUs that are still playing. Uh, that's going to do it for AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Peace, peace out. Be safe, everybody. Mahalo. But even when you stay on hard.